and that'll get recorded. And in order to have the best sounding recording, we just have everyone do what's called a double ender. And you record your end, I record my end, and then um, I'll send you a Dropbox thing, and you just drop it into there. Or um, we'll find some other way for you to exchange a big file with me. Oh my gosh! And you guys edit that all together? Yeah, I do. Wow. Not not you guys, <laughs> just me, just sweet wow. little me. A for effort. <laughs> Guys, I went and saw The Room. It was what amazing. Is, what is The Room? So it's a film that came out in 2003. Isn't it's that like the, the worst movie oh, ever? Oh, the worst movie yes. ever. <laughs> you, okay, so I watched that on YouTube earlier, and it was just incredible in and of its own. But going to see it with a crowd is something else. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I, oh, that I is apologize so funny. for being late, but I couldn't really pass up the opportunity. So <laughs> now, are you going to go see the 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 James Franco, the a disaster artist? Already did. Yeah. Salt River. Oh, Break. okay. It was. It Wait, was you excellent. saw that before you saw the room? No, oh, you've I watched seen the, the room beforehand. beforehand. Yeah, but then I went and saw this, and I was like, oh, then so because of the um, a success of the a disaster artist and the uh, continual growth. It, um the uh continual growth in popularity of the room they did a um across the country a one night screening and it was phenomenal <laughs> you are so funny glad it was worth so, it yeah 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 let me put this way like i have a lot of plastic spoons i'll just leave it at that if you're if you're if you have watched the room you get that reference <laughs> a successful banker's fiance tempts and manipulates his best friend that's the synopsis of the movie. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Wait, it's, oh, okay, it's fiance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. So, uh, stands all of of the nudity. It's well, <laughs> even because of it, and to be kind of honest, in certain parts, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, Juliet Danielle. Okay, so uh, we haven't even started, Luke. I was we we're just up and running right now. That's because, what I figured was going to happen because I fell asleep. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out QuickTime. <laughs> mm. Listen, QuickTime is an elusive goddess. <laughs> or I'm just Does a tech it... idiot. It's one of those two things for sure. Perhaps, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> All right, so let's just get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Catching Foxes. We are here uh, with Claire Swinarski. Nailed it. Good job. Swine First time. Or... Wait, Swin or Swine? Swin. <laughs> Swin, Swin. Damn it! I'm second guessing it now. I'm Swinarski. Swinarski. I know, I know. Luke tells me that all the time, and I tell him I can't because Jesus is my savior, and I should only have confidence in Him. And then he's like, "Oh, that old debate." And then we go around. But um, get confidence, stupid. <laughs> hey, ugly, get some confidence. I'm trying. Um, okay, so we have Claire Swinarski on. She is the um the founder of the catholic feminist podcast a lovely podcast where i found out that you've interviewed some of my friends how great is that and uh so she decided to send us an email actually it was a quick turnaround last week and was like hey i listen to your show and um this is what i do on my podcast which i gotta say your website's awesome Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah did you, i'm guessing you did that with your tech savviness um, it's a Squarespace, so they're like made for idiots. Like everyone thinks my husband did it because he's a software engineer, but I actually did the whole thing because anyone can work Squarespace. That's true. Drag and drop. Yeah. Drag and drop. <laughs> it's the way to go. 
Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, so you've been doing the Catholic Feminist podcast. Um, how how long have you been doing that now? Almost a year. We started last March. Nice, nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, and um, um, how many how many downloads do you get in a week? Just so I can feel secure about our podcast. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> um, we probably no. I'm just kidding. I'm just, you don't have to do that. I was that was just a horrible boo, joke. Boo, boo. <laughs> Hey, girl power. We get like 3,500 every week. 3,500 nice. strong. Yeah. That's which awesome. Is, which is way more than we got in our first year. Yeah. <laughs> way more. I just so sent really, Luke. I sent went. Luke. I sent Luke a uh, a picture. You know how um you know I Google Photos and all this stuff. You know there it's like, hey, this time uh, a year ago, uh, here's a picture, a photo, and mine was from because uh, this is how obsessed we are with our podcast. I like take screenshots of our ratings like all the time and send them to Luke. And this was a photo from uh, from a, like a year ago, and it like jumped up to three hundred. <laughs> Looks like. Wow, is that real? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that's it. right. That was One it. time we were above Father Mike because on our premiere day we released five episodes, and I screenshotted it forever. So sorry, Father Mike. <laughs> I beat you one time. <laughs> I, I think probably when I felt like we really arrived is when we tarped. Is when we tarped. Is when we topped Mark Driscoll in the iTunes top two hundred for religion and spirit spirituality, like. Five uh, like five years ago, he was like the big pastor dude, yeah, in other country, and then he kind of had a horrible fall fall. From yeah, him. he yeah. did. So <laughs> I kicked him while he was down. You're welcome. <laughs> and then we looked Poor up Mark. at that at the top of that mountain named Joel Osteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a mountain. Yeah, no, we're not going anywhere near it. So <laughs> awesome! So you've been doing this for a year, and um, one of the reasons why I loved. Uh, your emails, you're like, I'm a Catholic feminist. I want to talk about, you know, I just want to come on the show and talk about why why this is a good thing. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of, you know, we've talked about race on here. We've talked about LGBTQ plus issues. We've talked about all sorts of stuff. And we've talked about women as two grown, grown ass white men can do. So uh, I thought it would be awesome uh, just to kind of have you on and just walk us through what is what you believe like right now is like your core value that led you to to create a a podcast and it is awesome the the people that the caliber of people that you're interviewing um really really great luke remember when i wanted to do that catholic uh education sh- podcast show and i was oh, yeah, yeah. and i was gonna have christina dehan on and then you're mm-hmm. like or or someone who was a school principal like me and i was like nah. <laughs> yeah she already interviewed her she already interviewed her it's awesome so what what um, drove you to uh, to launch this podcast? Yeah, so it started about a year ago. Like I said, I was just kind of waiting for someone else to do it. Um, with all <laughs> of the things in the news, you know, our president and other politicians talking about women in a way that I would rather we not get talked about, um, and lots of gender issues just what? bouncing around the news, and lots of angst and anxiety, and a lot of people coming out being like, really? Oh, the feminists are ruining the world. And I could think of all these strong Catholic women like Abby Johnson and Audrey Assad. And I was like, who's going to make this podcast where we interview all these badass Catholic women? And I was waiting and waiting. And then I'm a freelance writer. And one of my clients sent me like kind of a nasty email one day. And I was like, I'm just going to start this podcast. Like I have to do something <laughs> that is creative and fulfilling and not for clients. And I was telling my husband and he's like, oh, you're going to start like 
in six months. And I was like, no, I'm going to start it tomorrow. I just built a website. <laughs> so it nice. was very spur of the moment, <laughs> but it definitely was born out of that place of frustration. I felt like everyone was talking about women in the world, except when it came to Catholics talking about women, it was usually about if leggings are pants and why we shouldn't face stock Facebook stock boys and things of that caliber. And I kind of yeah. wanted to elevate that conversation. So that's kind of how it what? got started. <laughs> that seems pretty intense. You're right. You don't, so you, you feel like it's really, it's like just the high school level of chastity talks and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Have you been to a lot of women's talks? <laughs> twice. They <laughs> When we interviewed Leah Darrow, I brought up like not her women's talks, but how women universally complain that women's sessions is essentially like emotional chastity and physical modesty and you're a daughter of god let's hug and that's that's been like the bulk of it you know is that is has that been your experience a hundo i mean i think that (laughs) we kind of have like these like four or five catholic women that are really great women but like those are the catholic speakers and they're Mm -hmm. the ones that go to every conference and all their stuff is used for every high school class and it's always like i said like our leggings pants and emotional chastity and it's like those are the only two things we're allowed to care about and men get to have talks about being warriors and evangelization and theology and then the women are over here hearing about how we're teacups that was literally used in a talk once about how we were fragile teacups. Um, and I just, that with so many things going on in the world, it kind of reminds me of, um, I recently read the new book on Dorothy Day, The World Will Be Saved by Beauty. And it was talking about how um, when women were fighting for the right to vote, she kept thinking, like, where are the Catholics? Like, why aren't the Catholics all buying this issue? We should be out loud and proud about it. And that's kind of how I feel about feminism in general. Like, where are the Catholics when it comes to these conversations? So they're out there. They just need a microphone. So I'm just trying to give them one. Oh, that's awesome. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that it's a number of things. I think that there's a lack of understanding about what the word feminism means. And I think that the word has all of these connotations with it, right? We hear it in the secular media and it's instantly tied to hot pink Planned Parenthood signs and Chris and Jill brand and like all of these things that Catholics don't necessarily want to associate with. And so what do we do? We run the other way. Um, But instead of running the other way, we should be running to truth wherever that is. And a lot of the secular feminism has actually some pretty good parts. They just don't have the fullness of that truth. They don't have the completion, right? Because they don't have the God factor. Um, but I think that people see those secular feminists and they just are so terrified of that word. They don't want to be associated with anything to do with Mm -hmm. it. And so it makes Mm -hmm. them scared to talk on issues, you know, like with the whole Golden Globes thing, I saw, um, you know, like all these women came to the Golden Globes in black to protest sexual assault. Right. And I saw people being like, well, most of them are pro-abortion. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that being pro-choice meant that everything you said was completely stupid. I didn't know that that was the rule. Like, Mm -hmm. we want to put these people in boxes and discount everything they say because of one view, if that makes sense. Well, you know, and and, um, that's really interesting, too, because I think as Catholics, one of the things that you hear a lot of people – to talk about is don't put me in a box. I'm I'm not like like right wing individual. I'm not although like a lot of them are. I am not like left wing. You know I am a I am a Catholic, and that means that I'm very a dynamic, and you know I'm like yeah pro life, but but also but it doesn't mean that I'm like 
you know, like anti-war, but like pro healthcare, but also like pro like you know like like pro life, especially as it comes like babies and and stuff. And it's very uh, this is the thing that I uh that I kind of wrestle with is like is that I don't because I don't think that's a uniquely Catholic a um, Catholic um idea, but I do think within a religious group, it's very easy for us to polarize everything and to make everything like a really big this is the end of the world if you don't agree with it yeah i think that it's easy to see that the culture is so messed up right now when it comes to womanhood people like catholic people just want to detach from it they want to run away from it they see that it's bad um but like i said instead of running to truth and looking for truth in it they just want to run the other way so i think you're totally right like it's not a uniquely Catholic thing to not want to be in a box, but I think that Catholics in particular, um, like, can identify that there's something wrong with the culture. Like, they can see pro-choice celebrities and be mm-hmm. like, okay, there's something super wrong with that. But we just now need to work on finding, okay, so what's the actual truth? Is it that feminism is ruining the world? I don't think so. Yeah, and um, one of the things that you said that, really spoke to me was this notion of there seems to be a a fear a hesitancy or an outright rejection of all things that did not explicitly arise from within a catholic milieu right like and and so secular feminism people are gonna you know if you call yourself a catholic feminist you're buying into the lies of a marxist ideology of you know i don't care what wave of feminism you are you're buying into that and you're like no 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 listen there is a, there's some gems here that if we incorporate it like i i find that some people are just they have such an allergy to one thing that they can't even be open to any type of truth within it and so i just a side note like um me and luke got this really angry email not about us but about protestants he called them filthy prots Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Like things that normal people would be like, oh wow, no. Um, but one of the things that I, I realized that his whole thing is like, if anything arises from Protestantism, and you get this with like church militant, it's heretical, it's evil, it's wrong, no matter what. And I'm like, yeah, but they still have a faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe, and the Bible. So maybe there are some truths that, yes, I'm not embracing all of evangelical Protestantism because I like something that Rick Warren or Andy Stanley says, you know, and there is this total inborn fear of Catholics to do exactly what you're doing. So how do you, how did you personally embrace feminism and kind of figure out that way to say, you're like, yes, I'll accept this. No, I'll reject that. Yeah, well, personally, I've been a feminist pretty much my whole life because my mom was a super big feminist. Like, when normal kids' parents were taking them to Disney World, my mom took my sister and I to, like, the national women's suffrage site in New York. And she was always teaching us about Susan B. Anthony and all these, like, first-wave suffragette feminists. And so my whole life, that's what I was all about. And I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know if you know anything about Madison, but... We are a bunch of hippies in Madison. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I never even it never even occurred to me that someone in the world thought that women couldn't do what men could do. Like my whole life, all that was all I'd ever known. And then I joined Focus and moved to Louisiana, 
which is a different country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I met some people there with some views that I did not agree with. Um, But I think that like my, also my conversion to Catholicism took place in college. And that was kind of a unique setting because before that I had been that secular feminist. Um, I'd had a lot of those like politically liberal ideas. And so it was really easy for me to get in that headspace, even once I saw that it was wrong. For instance, even though now I obviously believe that abortion is 100% wrong, I can real quick get in that headspace where I understand pro-choice people. I understand them really Mm -hmm. well. Um, I totally think contraception is wrong, but I 100% get why people go on it. Um, And so I think that that kind of path through me helps to be able to get in that headspace. And so now with the podcast, it's always a balance of we're just trying to constantly seek truth. And I've got people over here saying, like, how could Catholics possibly be feminists? Don't you know that they don't believe that women have right to their own body? And then I've got people over here being like, yeah. how can you even use the word feminist? Like, you're obviously just handing out birth control in the streets. Like, I get so many emails from people who their first line is, I thought I was going to hate this podcast because I was like, a Catholic could never be feminist. And then I actually listened. And it's like, oh, thanks for doing that before sending an angry email. Yeah. Hmm. I I wonder if, like, you just kind of, like, um, you just struck a chord that just um, hit me. Like, if... Th- Perhaps the answer isn't as much that we beef up on our apologetics. I mean, like answer uh, to what, what being like, how do we engage the culture? Okay. How do we engage the uh, quote unquote world when it, it, when it is so post Christian now. And I think at first there was a push towards apologetics. And I still think that is extremely important. In fact, one of the most important things that we can do but i wonder if that's more for us to understand why our faith like what is our faith why is it why is it this way why does the church have to like why is it that the church has to teach these uh, all of this stuff and if the answer is for other people in the world is to and i could be totally wrong about this so please don't like hesitate to say like hey luke you're a dumbass should we <laughs> try to be more empathetic and really understand where they are coming from. A hundred percent. Like you said, apologetics, super important, right? Theology, super important. Church documents, super important. But I, I don't have a theology background, okay? I didn't go to Franciscan over there. I went to UWF oh, journalism major. Wait a second. Oh, Luke, I, I have love, been swindled. I love for Franciscan, but look, you come out of there like spouting theology that I just can't spout, okay? I, it's just not, that's not part of <laughs> we how sure I do. was converted. It helps us get jobs that pay 25 grand a year. Let's take a brief break to tell you about something we love. The Ultimate Catholic Comic Book is a collaboration of work from Tomek's Jason Bach, Fat Cross, and John Smilly. Smilly? Smiley? Smilly. It was a Kickstarter project back in 2016, and that was a living and breathing document of funny pictures. So think about this. The Ultimate Catholic Comic Book is not like Iron Man. It's like your Sunday comics. These great comic strips, hysterical, very punny. They love puns. My kids grabbed this. I got a copy in the mail. They were generous enough to send me a copy. My kids busted it open. I haven't seen it since. They love walking around, looking at all the pictures. And the funny thing is, it's not for children, so they don't get half of the puns there. It's it's actually really funny. But it also makes me realize what a terrible catechist I am to my own children because they're like, why is that man walking on water? And I'm like, I am a terrible, terrible father. Um, but you can get your copy 
at catholiccomicbook.com. That's catholiccomicbook.com for your copy of the Ultimate Catholic Comic Book, a collaborative work. And this is wonderful. When they sent the email to me, they said, hey, how do we how do we do this? And I said, oh, this is very easy. What you do is you have to give something to our listeners. Check this out. 15% off discount code if you use CF as the code to all of our listeners, and it will never expire. That's 15% off discount to our listeners. Use the code, capital C, capital F, all together. That is the ultimate Catholic comic book at catholiccomicbook.com. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. I was a journalism major. So what I like to do is get people's stories. That's what I'm an expert in. That's what my podcast is about. We don't do deep dives on apologetics and theology. Like when we interviewed Anna with Eden, we didn't even talk about why the church doesn't believe in same-sex marriage. We talked about her story. Um, when I interviewed like Leah Jacobson, who started um, the Guiding Star Project, their holistic women's health centers, we didn't go into like the deep dives of like why contraception is bad. It was more like what she's doing for women's health care, why she feels called to approach it that way. I think we need to stop seeing people as their political views and start seeing them as actual human beings with histories and stories. Because, um, for instance, if you see a super pro-choice feminist, it's really easy to be like, oh, well, she's a crazy idiot. But you have no idea what she's been through, what's yeah. happened in her life to form those views. You don't know if she's had an abortion. You don't know if her mom has had one. Um, like... And we just are so quick to put those people in boxes, but when you really start listening to people's experiences, you just start to empathize with them so much more, and that's how we're going to have conversations that move the needle, not over yelling on Twitter about Donald Trump. Sherry uh, Sherry Waddell has this great line, uh, never accept a label in place of a story. And mm-hmm. I think you just nailed it <laughs> with with that because it is so easy to dismiss people absolutely um when you talk about especially with abortion what is i don't know what has your common experience been like talking with pro-choice women like why they why why are so many identifying um i i don't know i i guess one of the lenses that i kind of view this was when i was very young learning about the pro-life nature of the church a woman who was a, a catholic feminist and a lawyer she converted to catholicism and the path that set her on it was leaving the pro-choice world, pro-choice feminism behind and becoming what she would call pro-life feminist. And she, she would always say, it's a man's, abortion is clearly a man's solution to a woman's problem. Like, your first thing is to obliterate the life out of existence. Clearly, that's a testosterone fuel. And I was like, whoa, whoa, okay. Hmm. But um, what what is it um, for so many pro-choice women like you were talking about that draws them into the pro-choice lifestyle and identifies it? so much with feminism. I think that the issue with abortion that we keep coming up against is that it's basically telling women what society tells them all the time, which is that you're not strong enough, that you can't handle having a baby, that moms can't really do much. And if you really want to have a career, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to have sex whenever you want with whoever you want to, then abortion is the answer. And I think that these women who were raised in that culture that told them that all the time, um, it's not that hard to understand why they would see abortion as that valid answer. You know, like, if you grew up in a house where all you ever heard was, like, abortion is a woman's right, right to your own body, those crazy pro-lifers, 
it's so easy for that to just get ingrained on your heart and soul. But um, when we had Abby Johnson on the show, I'm sure I've, most people know who she is. She's amazing. But she used to be the manager of a Planned Parenthood clinic. And she had such a great point about how these women would come in and say, I don't think I can do it. And Planned Parenthood would be like, yeah, you can't. You're right. <laughs> they were like, oh, I just think oh, it was wow. wrong. And Planned Parenthood was like, yeah, you're not. Um, versus the pro-life movement, which is tr- in a really cool place right now. There's so many groups doing great things like New Wave Feminists and Feminists for Life coming out and really empowering women out of that mindset. Um, and I think that 99.9% of pro-choice people genuinely think that they are doing this amazing thing for womanhood. They really think that like they're being helpful like, they just want to save these women from these terrible circumstances and society's just against them and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that they're just a bunch of evil people out there to murder babies. And that's why that horrible rhetoric has got to go because it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything but make people mad. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. This is, the, mm. this is the part where Luke jumps in. I feel like <laughs> I no, dominated so- the comment. <laughs> Here's what's happened. Uh, we just heard a podcast about really how to listen and have a good have a good conversation. And one point was to like pause and think. So we're probably going to do a lot of pausing and thinking. So <laughs> you're our first Love one. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Have you ever Buckle heard up. of? Uh, have you ever heard of? Her name is um, Celeste Headley, and she's the NPR host of On Second Thought. Um, she is awesome. I recommend her book now <laughs> to like fifty different people. Um, she wrote a book called, uh, oh man, can we talk? No, oh, son of a gun. I always, I want to say, let's it'll be chat. in the show notes. It's it'll be in the show notes. But, um, she was on a podcast called the art of charm and it was one of the best, most, uh, it was just an excellent interview. And she talks about her interview skills. And one of it was like, you just, you just need to shut up and really, really listen and not just wait for your turn to talk. And so, um, yeah, so that's one good of input. I'm going to steal that yeah. for the Catholic feminists. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? You 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 should listen, especially like anyone who has a who has a, a podcast where they interview others or they talk to another person, which is pretty much everyone. Uh, you need to <laughs> listen to that episode because it is fantastic. So, what do you think? Like, um, I'm trying to say, what's the one thing that like you'd want to tell people that hate feminism? Like, what's the one thing that you would like to say? Like. Can I just tell you this one thing about it? That you can't hate feminism and agree with the Catholic Church <laughs> because shots fired. You can't. I mean, that if you look at the real definition of feminism, I guess that's what I want to tell people. I want to tell people what feminism is. Okay, feminism is believing in the equality of the dignity of men and women. Okay, so if you just take away the word feminism and you take five people who all hate that word and ask them that, they're all going to be like, well, yeah. And if you said, well, do you think that women should get paid equal to men for if they're doing the exact same job? They'd all go, yeah. And if you said, well, do you think that rape is bad? Probably most of them would say yes. Like, most mm-hmm. people are feminists. It's just that word. And I don't really care if you don't want to call yourself that word. Like, I'm not handing out stickers that say, welcome to the feminist club. If you hate the word feminist, but you're still in, still believing in the equality of the dignity between men and women, and you still want to support women around the world, then you can call yourself whatever you want. But I guess I would also point them to um, John Paul II's letter to women that he wrote in, I think it was like 1995. That is like the summation of feminism in one letter. And it was written by the freaking Pope. So I just don't <laughs> understand 
if you can really stand there and say that feminism is ruining the world, I just think you're disagreeing with, like, one of the most important philosophers of all time. <laughs> and he I, was Polish, so I love we love him extra in our house. <laughs> Swinarski. Swinarski. He's from a town where he's from is the best smelling town I've ever been to, especially <laughs> in the morning. It smells like the best. Like the best like bakery in the world. It's incredible. We went Total to Poland last year and we did not do any JP2 stuff. And I'm so oh. ashamed. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I mean, I was there in 2003 and the thing, and we were there at like four in the morning. So we're just like, this is the best time to be here. And we were in the, we were in the town square, which is actually, he was born, I believe, in a building in the square or right by it. And it just smells like an amazing, because they make this special like pastry stuff there. And, and especially, in the morning it's just like i just thought i had died and gone to heaven um well i think we're going back to poland next summer so i'll remember that why don't we why do we um do you find let me just let me just jump in here so one of the things that um you you had (laughs) one of the things that you brought up earlier is this notion of like catholic women sessions and when i um you know started doing my limited research for for this show um, I loved how you, um, on your website, which we'll have it in the show notes, people look at your show notes, but you, you talk about how the whole leggings thing, but then one statement that you said that I thought was absolutely fantastic was people are dying, but sure, let's pretend I have any idea what gauchos are, you know, like this very real, um, in, in my mind, like I hate most men's talks because they're all about being a warrior and all that stuff. There are real things happening in the world that we're not talking about because we want to mold people into this or that bubble. Uh, if you were um, if you were sitting down right now with like someone at a Steubenville Youth Conference and you know you're going to be molding a lot of minds, a lot of young, especially high school women, um, what would what what are some of the specific lessons that you want a high school high school version of yourself? you know, to hear and to, to really internalize. Yeah. I think I would kind of divide that into two kind of streams of thought. My first is that since you're in high school and you're about to go to college where most people lose their faith, I'd really want to make you cling to Jesus. And one way that that could happen to me in high school, but no one told me this was that Jesus was kind of the original feminist. Oh, everyone's going to freak out. You're going to get a bunch of emails about that. Sorry, but it's true. Um, if you like look at the way Jesus interacted with women in the Gospels. It was so revolutionary, so different, um, just completely countercultural, the way he talked to them and allowed them to learn, um, the way he spoke to them, called them daughters of Abraham. I mean, Jesus loved women, so you're probably going to meet some idiots in college who put women down and try to keep them in their place, but that's not their real place. Their real place is with Jesus. And everyone in the world can think you're a total idiot, but you're only living for Jesus. So if you keep that in your heart, that'll keep you strong. And then the second kind of area I'd go down is just learning about trying to teach girls about real authentic femininity, what it is, um, and then what it has nothing to do with. I don't care if you love clothes and makeup and braid your hair every day. That's awesome. That's not what real femininity has anything to do with, though. Real femininity has to do with courage and strength. Um, We're given the same uh, spirits of courage and strength that men are given from the Holy Spirit, right? Um, And if you look at these amazing saints that the Catholic Church holds up as these models of femininity, they're not all these little wispy flowers, right? I mean, look at 
Joan of Arc. Look at St. Gianna. Some of these women were badass. They were not the kind of women that are necessarily giving these Steubenville talks, um, but they were able to take their own unique strengths and live them out in a real feminine, relational sense. And so the more you learn about what real femininity is, the more you realize that gauchos have no place in a church talk ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I really put that because I have sat through probably three or four talks that are just all about clothes. I mean, it's not even an exaggeration. It's like, mm. it's not just the secular world that thinks that that's what womanhood is. <laughs> I don't know what a gaucho is. I still don't. I think it's a type of pants. Uh, it, it might be a pant. Um, <laughs> we had uh, we had um, Lisa Brenningmeyer who started uh, walking with purpose um, as a women's program, and one of the key things that she said, I was like, "So why did you start this?" Blah blah blah. And she said, "You know, I looked around after her conversion. Her father's an evangelical pastor, and she said I looked around for authentic womanhood in terms of like programs and talks in the Catholic Church." And she said, once you get away from, like, the lives of the saints, you run right up against it's all about your fertility, right? Mm -hmm. So it's chastity chastity talks for young girls, and uh, being a wife is the pinnacle of a woman's life, and that's it. And so there was the spectrum of, well, what about all these women who have chosen the vocation of, of, of being a nun or being a consecrated or who have chosen or who have kind of had life choose for them? the vocation to singleness, their, their experiences, then they walk into a church and they feel, they feel like, even though they actually are being living at what the church would consider a higher life, church culture doesn't accept that, you know? And for her, she had to break away from tying womanhood to fertility. And I don't mean in, I mean, like specifically, like you have no, not, but this is the hard part because so many Catholics would never say, a woman has no value unless she's married, but it, it's almost that's what we imply when our only groups are are for moms or for you know married couple right. groups or wives. Mm-hmm. And like I am, I am married with one kid, another bacon, and I I feel like ridiculously ministered to. There's eight million Catholic moms groups. I, yeah. I have podcasts and magazine articles and in person groups at church and discipleship programs and blah blah blah. But yeah, it's like you said, you know, I I have a lot of friends who are single who feel completely ignored by the church, which is not how it's supposed to be. And that's also why we have sisters Mm -hmm. on our podcast, because I think when we (laughs) think Catholic feminists, the last thing you think, the last thing you think of is a woman in a habit. Unless you're like a liberal college. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they're just as much women as we are. Right. So, yeah. I don't know where I'm going to go with this, so I'm going to do my best to keep it pretty short because we're improving our podcast. Um, <laughs> is that like you hear a lot because I think there's this really and I, I think it's it comes from I think this does happen where when people try to talk about, talk about all of the feminism stuff, there's this kind of a fear that it's going to that it's done in a way that pulls down masculinity. And I. I think that can't happen. Like, I mean, you can do that with anything. Um, And so when you like, when you have a lot of Catholic talks about what does it mean to be like man and how to find strength, they often like talk about your dad or like dads and, or like fatherhood. And, but I think like one thing that wasn't ever 
talked about, I'm really just starting to understand this is like when I look at my mom, one thing that I really like think of that, like really like, what did she pass on to me? Is just like this, like a, um, is, is strength built on kindness. Like she can be kind to anyone and she's actually a pretty strong woman in a lot of ways. And I feel like a lot of the strength that I have was like, I found that I, I, I have that because of her. And as a man, you don't really have a lot of talks that kind of help you understand what are the gifts you got from your mom? Uh, that's true. What are the things that like you learn from her that has made you a better man to be able to understand that and appreciate that and pass that on. It, it it kind of has to take a talk like this, us to like chat here to really understand that and go, Oh, that's right. Like I, I like a lot of the good things about me or good things in my like own life. I learned from her and I owe it to her. So thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I think society puts men in a box just as much as they try to put women in one. Right. Um, like the tough guy. I think that's where a lot of this me too stuff is coming from is that, Men are taught to be a certain way, just like women are taught to be a certain way. But when you pause and think about those kind of things, like what men can learn from women and also what women can learn from men. I mean, my dad's a small business owner, and I think that's part of why I own two small businesses, too. Like, I can learn things from my dad and still be a woman. You can learn things from your mom and still be Mm -hmm. a man. But these gifts of masculinity and femininity are both good things to have. And so we do have to be careful about that. I do think that um, feminism does kind of tend to do that at times to push men down and kind of like a retribution kind of thing, but that's not good for anybody. Yeah. And that's that Marxist spirit of first wave feminism, which is like there there's the haves and the have nots and that's all there ever be until there's revolution. Right. So we are inherently antagonistic to each other. And the church would say, no, we don't have to be like, that's one of the, I just did a social justice thing for our, our parish. And one of the things was, one of the reasons why the church rejected Marxism was this notion of uh, dialectical materialism where it's like these people have to always hate each other. And it's like, no, no, Jesus literally brought something that was never done in Roman society was a wealthy aristocrat never sat down at table with a poor person, let alone a slave. And then you have that happening in the homes of the wealthy the poor and the slave are entering every Saturday, you know, Sunday morning at 5 a.m. to celebrate mass, right? And you have this complete, and women are sitting right next to men, which is something that never happened in Jewish society. And you brought up that point earlier, like Jesus was the first feminist because he upheld the dignity of women. And one of the ways he did that, I love talking about discipleship. I mean, that's kind of like the my thing at church, but I mean, Mary and Martha were disciples of Jesus. Now, they weren't traveling disciples, but they were disciples of Jesus. So when he shows up in Bethany, um, you know, and Mary is serving and Martha is sitting, the reason why Jesus says, I mean, the reason why that was so normal is because that's what women did. They served the food. And men only got to be disciples. And he's like, Martha, you're anxious about all this other stuff. Mary's chosen the better part. Like, sit. But I mean, like we just think of it as like, oh, I got to figure out how to have a merry heart in a Martha world. And Jesus is like <laughs> literally shattering thousands of years of Jewish tradition and culture 
that we don't even see, obviously, because we're, you know, we're so blind to it. But like that was a revolutionary thing. Right. You know, even even his mom followed him with the disciples. Right. Like these are revolutionary. The women at the foot of the cross. One of the reasons why there was only women is because Roman soldiers wouldn't allow men to go up there who were of a certain age. Um, but the women were disciples of Jesus. <laughs> and I think people totally miss that. Right. That and Jesus picked Mary Magdalene to be the person who found him. Right. Like he could have picked any number of dudes. Um, I love that. And I love that Mary and Martha story is one of my favorites. Bishop Barron just had an awesome Facebook post on that. But I led that as a Bible study once when I was a missionary and my girls were not quite clicking with it. And I was like, okay, do you guys, do you guys understand what Jesus is saying? And one of them just said, I get what Jesus is saying. It's just that Jesus is wrong here. <laughs> And I was like, oh, gosh, we got to go back. back to basics here. <laughs> Who is Jesus? <laughs> Jesus? Why did she think Jesus was wrong? <laughs> um, because I was trying to tell them to calm the heck down about their finals and get their butts to Sunday mass. And they were not having it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, focus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it so much. <laughs> ha, uh, have you ever heard of um, Maria, Maria M. Johnson? She's an author with uh, Ave Maria Press. Yes. Did she write Badass Book of Saints? Yes. Is that her? She, yes. Yeah. She so she wrote two books, My Badass Book of Saints, which is awesome. I sat down and plowed through that. Um, every so often, Ave Maria Press sends me books, and then and I get so excited and I I immediately read them. But um, and then yeah, they she, sent me that, and then the super supergirl superhero was that yeah, super supergirls and halos. My companions <laughs> yeah. on the quest for truth, justice, and heroic virtue. Yeah, I get books all the time. Shut up, Luke. Shut up, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, you don't read, Luke. It's fair. It's fair. That's fair. Sports ball. Mm. Well, I think they probably thought the Catholic feminists would be more interested in that book than two Catholic dudes, to be fair, to Ave Maria. <laughs> uh, I uh, take offense to that. Yeah. Well, actually, Maria's the one that got the ball rolling on that one. She heard our podcast and she's like, oh my gosh, you're Catholic and you cuss. Here's a book called My Badass Book of Saints. <laughs> we should start a club, Catholic yeah. cussers who get angry yeah. emails about saying shit. Oh, man. Mm. Mm, mm. We don't get those. We haven't gotten those really in a long, long time. Do you? Oh, do you bless. get those? Really? Oh my! God. That's my number one thing that people get mad at. <laughs> I say some bad words, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my new season explicit so no one can get mad. Okay. I, mean, I don't go. have the little e next to my name, so that does help. <laughs> it, yeah. it also hurts. It also hurts. Once you go explicit, people like officially, like certain podcatchers won't even catch you and. You'll be banned from Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. So that's okay. I wasn't planning on any <laughs> recent Saudi trip. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be funny if you had this like group of Saudi women who would gather together just to listen to your podcast? Yeah, and they then, don't even let women drive there, so they probably aren't big Catholic feminist fans. <laughs> you, you never, never know. know. You never know. Oh man, we need to stop hanging out so much, Gomer. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm flying out to see Luke in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. Live mm. podcast. Mm. All right. Um, on your <laughs> podcast, like, what's what's is there one inter like interview that has really like rocked your world to where just you're like, whoa, I gotta like, this was crazy. Yes, there's a couple. But let me just pick one or two here probably my favorite interview we ever did this is so hard for me to say but my interview with leah jacobson was so good are you guys familiar with her not a clue. i am, I am she, not 
So she founded the Guiding Star Project. They, she used to work at um, UMD with Father Mike. Um, and then she wanted to go be, I think she wanted to go be a nurse, but she like heard the Lord telling her in adoration to like start these women's health centers. So that's what she did. And so they have a few around the country and they are nonprofit health centers that offer really holistic health care. So basically everything Planned Parenthood likes to pretend they are, but are really not <laughs> like Guiding Star mm. actually is. Um, so they help women on every stage of life from like puberty to menopause and everything in between and they do cancer screenings and what I really loved about that conversation was she was taught she was able to point out um the issue that like really how sexist the idea of birth control is um talking about you know how they just hand out contraception these days to girls who are like 13 and 14 for very normal woman things like acne as a teenager, but it's like, yeah. no, women women aren't allowed to have acne. Men can have acne. Women can't. Even though you're a freaking teenager, so of course you have acne. Um, and just put them on birth control. Or like how many doctors these days, if you are struggling to conceive, will just jump to IVF. Wow, what a coincidence. IVF costs thousands of dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they do much more holistic care. They use naprotechnology. Um, finding things like endometriosis and hormone imbalances, and they just take a really holistic look at healthcare. And she was just pointing out to me in how many ways our healthcare system really fails women. And I love that because one of my number one things that I can't stand is when people talk about how like Planned Parenthood does more than abortion. It does healthcare for poor women when it's like, no, they actually don't. (laughs) Like They actually do very little besides abortion. Um, And so I just loved the kind of view that she put on that. Um, and then the other really one that I enjoyed was um, with my good friend, Marissa Mullins. She's, like, not a Catholic speaker. I love having people on the podcast who aren't, like, these big-name Catholics because, like I said earlier, I think there's, like, a, like five Catholic women everyone's obsessed with, and they're on everything. Like, they go talk to everybody, and you just kind of – I just want to mix it up. I don't want to feel like I have this super high platform of famous Catholic women on – Um, So I just had my buddy Marissa on, but she is single and talked about being single later than she'd like to be. And it was really interesting because it was like we were talking about earlier how so often in Catholic culture, women are seen, you know, once you're a wife and mother, that's like the pinnacle of your Catholic Mm -hmm. womanhood. But she's Mm -hmm. like, well, how the heck am I supposed to be a good woman? Like, I'd love to get married. (laughs) Like, Lord, bring me a man. I'm all about it. But I'm not right now. So how do I live out my femininity and I love that because I just don't think enough people talk about that. I don't know if it's because of, like, shame or embarrassment or, like, because moms in society are often talked down to. Catholics really want to build moms up, which I get that, and that's beautiful. But we also have to think about the women who love to be moms but aren't for whatever reason. Yeah. That is, is such a – <laughs> it is such a hard thing when we see that in our in our parish. Like, um, And we see it through the show, too, you know, people who are um, either struggling with infertility or people who are struggling with – um, their singleness, like, I'd like to be dating, I'd like to be married, you know, and it, it's so easy to just lump church equals family that we don't understand that we are actually actively hurting people who don't fit into the most general box like that. Right. I love, I love this guiding star. Everyone, the, the people that you mentioned, the interviews, I'm going to put them all in the show notes. Um, I'm going through them right now. Um, but this guiding star thing sounds so baller because I remember being a youth minister and having high school girls, right? So we did a whole thing on contraception 
And um, I had made an offhanded comment that it was a quote from maybe Janet Smith, maybe someone else, where it essentially was um, everything the pill can do therapeutically, there are other means, right? So like the acne and other things like that. And um, there are other means that aren't chemical contraceptives that can really damage your, you know, your hormones, all that stuff. And so um, it was really awkward, but I, it was so eye-opening how, to me, that is a line I hear about things. But I had a high school girl who was suffering from all sorts of stuff. She was a senior, and uh, I think she was, she was a you know, college freshman, and she was suffering from much stuff. And she just came to me, and she's like, so what do I do when I've gone to two or three different OBGYNs, and they're all telling me to get on the pill because of X, Y, and Z? And it was, it was as if they were trained to ignore everything that was happening in their bodies and just do this one thing, which is take the pill and regulate and blah, blah, blah. And it was destroying her. And no mm-hmm. one – and it, there's just this habits of thinking that no one goes into and, and even expo- – or they don't question the orthodoxy behind it, you know? Right. There's been recent studies out – and I mean not from like – life site news but like covered in cnn and the new york (laughs) times about how no well yeah offense to life site i'm fine with that um but that the pill like you're here (laughs) you're 70 percent more likely to suffer depression three times more likely to commit suicide like it has all these negative side effects and if you talk to 10 women and i okay i can say this i was on the pill for like eight years so this is where my history comes in handy with the catholic feminists i'm like i get what you're saying like i've literally been on this pill and if you talk to like 10 different women who are on the pill you might have a couple who have no side effects but i am telling you at least six or seven of them are going to be like, yeah, this thing makes me freaking crazy. And my sister-in-law is in med school right now, and she said that is how they train doctors. It's all about the pill. They're they're obsessed with it. Like, they they had a, um my other friend is in PA school, and they had an ethics class, and the speaker was from Planned Parenthood talking about how great birth control pill is. That was their ethics class. So the it's also the the new generations of doctors coming in are just getting some bad information. Oh, it is brutal. We have a friend uh, uh, <laughs> from college who is very confrontational, and, <laughs> and he was in his military physician school because he's a doctor in the U.S. military, and they would bring in the same people, and he would just argue with them in front of the whole class. That. And he's the only, <laughs> he's the only, like, he's he's like, he's not just pro-life, he's anti-contraception, you know, and he's like, this is all bullcrap, you're totally masking what's really going on with these women's bodies by just putting them on the pill, putting them on the pill. <laughs> and you! Um. <laughs> Talk about a masculine answer to a woman problem. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. can we talk about something a little more anti-feminist than the birth control pill, which totally messes with women so that men can have sex with them whenever they want to? I mean, that's what the pill is for. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to play the devil's advocate. Like, what if the woman is the one? Because, like, you guys have sex drives. Like, it's it's a good, like, natural thing, like, Wait, what, what if it's uh, the woman? <laughs> my wife never told me that. this. <laughs> I said I was, I was the one that was hungry like the wolf. Oh, <laughs> she told me that she gets paid to do it. Wait, that's not bad. Never mind. <laughs> look, that's, that's not look, what I meant. <laughs> my wife does not get paid. <laughs> that's not what I meant. I meant Again, to like pay someone to be your friend. You know, like, like oh gosh. Uh, well, <laughs> as soon as I started, saying, I was like, that implies prostitution. I should stop. Oh, Luke. <laughs> that's Luke. not what I meant, though. 
Oh gosh. Sometimes like everyone tends to think that like cause I say these things that like sound so offensive, but they come from such an innocent place that I like I didn't think about what I'm saying and I just talk. This is the part where people who listen go, Poor, poor, stupid Luke. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just insulted so one sorry, of his Gormley. best friends, Shannon Gormley. I know. Mm. I didn't mean it like that at all. I just just so everyone so like everyone knows, you know those kind of jokes where someone goes oh my mom's been paying you to be my friend yes you know that's all i meant by that oh wow um so backing it up hi everyone welcome to catching foxes i'm luke uh (laughs) gosh i'm so sorry gomer uh terrible um if if you like have a woman who says no i'm going on the pill because i want to have sex because i like having sex um like how do you like what's not like the right response in in an apologetic sense, although that could be it. Like how, like what's what's the charitable response to that? Mm, that's a tough one. I feel like first of all, that's fine if you like having sex. That's great. I like having sex. I'm married. Um, like it's <laughs> fine to like having sex. I think that what it comes down to is um, thinking about what sex is in your life and what you're using it for. Um, Are you, like, purely using it to feel great? Okay, why do you feel like you need to use it to feel great? Um, What else is going on in your life? How? What's your relationship like with these people that you like to have sex with or this person? Um, And I think kind of diving deeper into those kind of issues could maybe bring out that sort of conversation. I do think, though, if that's where you're coming from, you just need some good old-fashioned T.O.B., though too i mean i don't even think you can really explain that without apologetics because oh yeah Mm -hmm. sex is great so i understand people wanting to have it um and it does take willpower to not it's not like it's a super easy thing Mm -hmm. to tell someone they just have to stop having sex um so i feel like you would need some apologetics there for sure but always just asking questions listening being open um and try, yeah, trying to ask questions more than you answer them. I found that to be kind of helpful in those kind of conversations. Because a lot of times people know these answers deep down um, because we all have God in us, right? So we all, I think, have this sprinkling of truth somewhere in us. But it just has to kind of be drawn out. Yeah, I, f- I find the hardest conversation around NFP right now because beforehand I never would have thought of it. But because of... Really, because of Catholic feminism, you think about it now. Like, I, I do a Theology of the Body talk um, for engaged couples at my parish. And um, one of the things that, I'm, I, uh, things that I'm becoming aware of is, like, number one, when I was a youth minister, the type of, you know, when we go to, like, Covecrest summer camp, the list of, uh, you know, I don't know if it came from my parish or whatever, but these, you know, lists of, like, what you're allowed to wear and not allowed to wear, men, it's like... You know, it's like three things and women, it's like 300. And you don't notice that you're like control, like you are controlling women's bodies. You just want them to dress modestly in terms of like, hey, we're going to a Christian camp. You should not dress like you're going to the beach with your friends. Like this is a thing. But at the same time, and it was a friend of mine who came into the church. She pointed out like, hey, why is it that these lists are always much, much larger? And you're like, okay, because you're trying Instead of telling men, be strong, you're telling women, you need to deal with men's brokenness, right? Right. And at times we're putting, like, this desire for women's modesty really above 
their souls because that message too strong and in the wrong way can turn women off like that. I mean, yeah. if a woman's not formed in her faith, like I had a friend who was in a missionary program and they were at a school that had like a swing dance and there was a girl who had never been to any Catholic events and she, her dress was like a little short. It wasn't like her underwear was showing, but it's probably just a little inappropriately short for like a Catholic swing dance. And my friend's boss told her to go tell the girl yeah. that she yeah. had to leave. And my friend's like, no, <laughs> like I'm not going up to this girl. I don't Good. even know. And telling her she has to leave this guy. Like she's going to leave and be like, Catholics suck. Yeah. Like they are so mean. Uh, like literally putting a woman, what they're wearing above their chances for salvation. I mean, that's not good. Uh, and then you have people who reject NFP saying, and I think this is kind of follow up to what Luke was saying. And this is the hardest part for me. Women are most ready for sex when they're fertile. But if you're abstaining from having, or if, if this is appropriate for you to space children, then the only time you can't have sex is essentially when the woman most desires it, right? When she's fertile. So by abstaining during infertile times, you're essentially placing an undue amount of the burden on the woman and her natural sexual desires. Whereas for man, you know, the, the, these like peak types of arousal do not occur for men. We're just kind of always ready to rock and roll. And so there is this... Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there's this notion of like, okay, well, when you remove contraception or like just instead of thinking of the pill, think of like condoms. If if men were to bear that burden, then it would free women to enjoy sex more, which was kind of Margaret Sanger's promise of contraception was your men are going to escort women into, you know, higher levels of consciousness by having sex without a tie to love or, or marriage. And I get this asked a lot by young, by young couples. They're like, oh, so the only time I really, really want sex, if I don't want, if we're not, we agree not to have a baby at that time is when I want it the most, you know? Yeah. There's probably some really deep theological answer to this, but what pops into my head is like, our faith is so connected because Catholics are constantly teaching that not getting what you want every second is good for you. Like, it is not good for people to get whatever they want when they want it. I have almost toddler, and that kid, I swear, he was only happy today when he was watching Daniel Tiger. Like, he only wants what he wants. But Which is fair. Have, it's a good show. It, oh, it's a great show. It's the only yeah, not annoying kids show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not the, Well, that, that little cat is weird. But mm -hmm. they... You know, like, our faith is one of the only faiths that teaches that. Like, so many other faiths are like, oh, you'll reach, you know, nirvana or spiritual purity and everything will be great. And even Joel Osteen is like, God wants you to be super happy all the time. Um, that's not true. Catholics teach all the time that picking up our cross is what brings us closer to Jesus. And so, yeah, it's hard to abstain during fertile times, okay? I get it. I think it's hard for both, though, like you said, the men are always ready to rock and roll. So I, I, can't, I don't even <laughs> want to say it's harder for the women. I think it's probably equal-ish. It's probably no way to margin that. Um, but, you know, like, being able to abstain from something you want is just good for your soul. And like I said, I, you could go ten levels deep and spout off a bunch of Aquinas or whoever. But I'm kind of more of this talk to people where they're at and that's just what i'm saying to people is that when you do whatever you want with your body because it feels good in the moment that is not good for you that's just not good for your soul it's not good for your body it's not good for your life 
it's good to sometimes have to abstain from things you want. And it is hard. And life is hard. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but that's how, that's again like how part of why I know that Catholicism is truth because of course life is hard. Every faith should say that life is hard because it so obviously is. Yet we're one of the only ones that do. <laughs> What's like the one area that you've seen a lot of like good growth that has made you happy? Just in uh, in terms in uh, terms like feminism. Okay, I got to give two again. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling. Yeah. No, it's but, fine. Um, two really brief ones. The first is that I've seen a lot more Catholics talking about sex trafficking, which I had not seen for so long. Mm, yeah. um, there's, yep. You know, right now there's more girls in slavery than there have been at any other time in the world. We Ugh. just had someone from Catholic Relief on talking about, um, you know, like telling a story about a mom who sells her five-year-old into sex trafficking. Like, these horrible things oh. are really real. And I feel like I'm just finally starting to see people care about things like that. And just human trafficking in general, human slavery. I saw quite a few, like, um, slave-free Christmas campaigns, like, trying to shop ethically. Yeah. Um, I just don't see that talked about very much. So even just seeing people, like, Facebook about it and share um, ethical shopping sites, that was pretty cool. And then the other thing is I think we're seeing a really great push for a more holistic look at being... Um, pro-life like when it comes to actually trying to help women and not just stop them from getting abortions but looking at why do women feel like they need to get abortions they feel like they don't have affordable child care they feel like they don't have affordable housing okay well how can we help women get these things like mm -hmm. how can we make abortions unnecessary um i think we really need to start looking at it like that and i've seen really great things coming out of like Saren foster with feminists for life abby johnson um, new Wave Feminists, like I said, just a bunch of groups that are looking at, like, how can we help women and not just, like, holding up horrific dead baby signs. Mm -hmm. That is just not helping anyone. And I feel like I'm seeing less and less of that. And I'm seeing more yeah. and more of this feminist talk. And that makes me feel pretty inspired. I thought you were just going to say, make me feel pretty. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and that makes and me feel pretty. pretty. Huh. You know, I mean, like I'll, be, I'll be honest. I, I have been very in, I have been uh, encouraged more than I've been discouraged by the Me Too movement. Yes. I think the fact that people are being called out for their crap and the terrible, evil, like, stuff that, that people have done, I think it is fantastic. Yeah. It's, you know, like, it's easy to look at who our president is and who some of our politicians are and just be like, oh, my gosh, how did we get this way? Um, then there's but that. I think I think things like the Me Too movement, I would agree. Um, I think that I've seen some Catholics have, like, issues with it, again, because they're trying to put people in boxes and saying yeah. things like, well, those women are, you know, blah, 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 blah. But um, I th I've been really inspired by that, too. One of the things I hate about it is how pundits will say things like well see hollywood's been lecturing us on sexual morality for years and now it turns out they don't even abide by their own thing it's like it's not about hollywood it's not about the poly it's about the problem of this this widespread disregard for women for their own personal values widespread disregard for sexual integrity and when you hear stuff like this very physically intimidating like it just like, this is a part of the culture where, like, if a guy yelled at me, it, it's a different thing because it's not threatening, you know? Right. Like, I, I don't walk to my car with my keys between my fingers ready to fight or run. Mm -hmm. 
And every you know, time. <laughs> I know. And so that that when people oh, there's no difference between men or women, it's like, yeah, like there is, <laughs> you know, and and then so people knee jerk with like either they want to they take the lens off of number one, the victim. Number two, the reality of the victimizer and the mindset that is very common. I mean, like powerful men think that they can take advantage of whether it's in Kevin Spacey's thing, other men or, you know, um, you know, Harvey. Or Matt Lauer's like freaky sex dungeon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait, what? what? He has a sex dungeon? It's crazy. He, he had he a, was, like a button under his desk that locked the door, and it was all kinds of crazy. Yeah, stuff. I thought strange. it was like some sort of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey thing going on. Like, <laughs> no, sorry, Matt Lauer, I didn't mean to lie about you, but yeah, that kind of reminds me too of like when that um, horrible audio came out from President Trump and. I saw so many men respond, that's just locker room talk. That's just how guys talk. And I'm like, for the love, could it not be? Like, how yeah. about next time you're in the locker room and someone talks like that, you say something to them. I'd rather you not talk about women in the locker room like that. Here's the thing. It's not. Yeah, I've never. Like, <laughs> like, like, especially for a, like a 60-year-old man, that is not how people, most time they don't talk. First of all, no one talks. And yeah. two, like, like. For the most part, he's. Ref- I think they're kind of referring to high school guys, and n- none of my friends in high school, when I played sports and when we changed, would talk about things that bad. For the most part, like, I mean, it would get pretty crude and pretty gross, but like that would be crossing a line for a lot of people. Yeah, they'd be like, "Whoa, that's a little much," you know, or we, like there'd be some kind of there would be some type of like reaction to go. Whoa, that's horrible. You know, and I was just kind of like, like, bullshit. That's not locker room. Like, that's not, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, that's that sin. <laughs> that's sin. That's exactly what that is. It's sin. You interviewed Shannon Ochoa, which is one, she's one of your friends. Did you grow up with her? Is that what you said? No, I went to college with her. Though. That's what it was. That's what it was. Nice. University of Madison, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Madison. What do you say? Yes. Yes. Yep. All of Go the above. <laughs> so, hey, uh, how'd they do against Ohio State this year? <laughs> Go on, Gilmer. I'm going to hang up. I'll do it. <laughs> Guys, I feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, whatever. I yeah. I, whatever. All Wisconsin sports right now. I can't even say anything. I'm so jaded. <laughs> Go Bucks. All right. We're all broken. Sorry. We all have our brokenness. Um, no, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go down this way because I was going to say, you have a whole podcast on complementarianism, sweet Moses, um, that Shannon did. And I know that that's also one of those other hot button issues, but we've had you for an hour. Um, and I know that you go to bed at, uh, <laughs> I think, 4 p.m. Uh, you, you go to you go to old country buffet with the elderly people. You eat your okay. I'm incubating a human. Okay, got me some. Stuff. No, no, no. I mean that's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, I went to bed early before I was pregnant. I shouldn't use my unborn child as an excuse. <laughs> Yay oh. that we all try. Yeah. Oh man. So uh, what I wanted to say was, um, if you could send people to or send people. Where are you online that people can come and follow you? We're going to have the Catholic Feminist Podcast dot com. Uh, that'll be in our show notes, people. But where else can people find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, um, well, you can head on over to Instagram. That's really the place I hang out the most. And so that's mm-hmm. the Catholic Feminist. But all the other links are on the website. But um, Instagram is kind of my favorite place to to hang out. So the Catholic Feminist is where you should go. 
have you stayed away from Twitter for good reasons? Oh, I just cannot even with Twitter. I was on the Catholic hipster and Tommy Ty was like, follow her on Twitter. And I literally said, don't, no, please don't. I <laughs> Twitter is like the the dirty basement of social media and Instagram's like the pretty decorated office, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that video of Christian girl selfie on Instagram or something like that where it's like... <laughs> No, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like it's not about it's not about doing your devotions unless someone else knows about it. So it's like right. I have my skill journal, my you know my um, Joel Osteen book, and my Bible opened. I mean, I don't read it, but <laughs> and here's my mug of coffee next to it, just yeah. making it beautiful. No, Twitter is just like angry, and there's like freaky people on there. I don't think there's as many like weird freaky people on Instagram. Oh, they're there. They're there. there. (laughs) Luke can find them in no time. Maybe they're all dudes, so they don't follow us. Have you hit the search button at all? There's some weird stuff on there. They are all dudes. Like, anytime I, like, hit the search button, which is honestly the majority of the time by accident because I'm old and I don't understand how it works, there's, like, (laughs) horror makeup where, like, people like to do, like, makeup on their face or on their arms where it's, like, horror, like a, like a stab wound or, like, a weird, like, face, yeah. like, a venom spider. It's, yeah. Instagram's a weird, dark place. Why are you watching my dreams? <laughs> the funniest thing is I'm scrolling through <laughs> your Instagram photos right now, and it is light and life, and uh, uh, <laughs> it's just normal, human, beautiful stuff. And then, as Luke is describing... Uh, this <laughs> macabre dance of of mutilation. So, Luke, I think this macabre you, dance of Zuckerberg. <laughs> you, uh, Luke, you, your heart goes to such dark places. I think that's on you, not on our fantastic mm-hmm. guest, Claire Swinarski. Yeah. Claire Woo! Swinarski. Clap, 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 clap. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, so just so you know, all this stuff will be in the show notes. Luke, where can people find the show notes for our show? www.catchingfoxes.fm slash 124. 124. And uh, I want to thank The Ultimate Catholic Comic for sponsoring this episode. Uh, The great sponsor, 15% discount to listeners. Use the code CF. It'll never expire. You go to catholiccomicbook.com. Catholiccomicbook.com. Awesome. So thank you very much, Claire. And Luke, as always, thank you too. Thanks, buddy. See what I did there? I ended a show. I That's ended stupid. It. I know. We never do this. This is where it's going to really end. Yeah. Claire, thank o- you. Almost knocked over a beer. Yeah, this was super cool. <laughs> <laughs>